0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep, 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 diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast. And pro football hall of famer, the general, Sean w- w- McClain. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Utopia, utopia.
1: Hey everybody, welcome in, it is Monday, Monday morning as we record this and the NFL draft is in the books, the dust has settled, the smoke has cleared and the Texans have nine new drafted football players and a handful of undrafted guys as well and it was quite the weekend, one of the biggest weekends in franchise history for the Houston Texans and uh, to talk about it, here we are, I am Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast, mornings on Sports Radio 610 and I am joined as always, by my good friend, the Hall of Famer, our senior Texans columnist at SportsRadio610.com and Gallerysports.com, John McClain. And um, John, did the draft this weekend, from a Texans perspective, live up to the hype for you? I thought
2: the Texans had uh, what could be the greatest draft in history right now. The best one is still the 06 when they started off with Mario Williams and they they dropped down to D'Amico Ryans. And then Owen Daniels, Eric Winston, Charles Spencer, and the infamous David uh, Anderson. Mm -hmm. And so that was the best draft in franchise history. And this one, because of C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson, and a lot of other guys, has a chance to surpass it. But we're going to have to wait at least three years to know that. I just thought overall it was a tremendous draft by Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryan.
1: I thought, you know, John, as, as the dust was settling on day two, you know, and, and once they drafted Tank Dell in day two, you knew the Texans were probably done for the done for the night, uh, unless they moved back into round three, but I didn't think they were going to. Um, I thought what was interesting is the thing you've been saying all along on this podcast and on your various shows is they need to come away with a quarterback, an edge rusher, a center and a wide receiver. And that is literally exactly what they got with those. You rarely see that. You know what I mean, John? Like oftentimes GMs maybe see the needs of the team differently than, than we do. Cause I agreed with you on needing all those things. I think most Texan fans would agree that they needed all those things. Um, but for all four of the picks to fit into the puzzle pieces that we thought that they would need, um, uh, is is one of the reasons why, yeah, like it's natural that I like that draft because that's what I felt they needed going into it. And I guess of the – if there's people, John, that you've seen, and I'm sure you've looked at the report cards that are out there and looked at the analysis of all of it, if there's a criticism of this Texans draft, I, I guess the encouraging thing in the near term is that people aren't really criticizing the guys that they got. They're criticizing the means that, with which they went about getting them, specifically – Will Anderson at three to move up from twelve and get that third pick, and then I know there's some people that think that maybe uh, Nick Casario maybe over tinkers a little bit. You know, why are you moving up four spots to get Juice Scruggs? Why are you moving up four spots to get um, to get Tank Dell? I mean, I, I think that's nitpicking. He's he's he very clearly does not have high regard for third round or for like sixth and seventh round picks in terms of using them as pocket change to move around. Um, you know he he doesn't he doesn't see those as crucial that you get names attached to those. He sees those more as the grease for the skids for picks in the first four or five rounds. Um, but are you seeing the same thing, John? Where there's if there's any criticism, it's maybe Nick Casario's value chart on the draft picks he uses in trades than it is the guys that they got. I think most people like that the actual players that they've come away with here.
2: As he told us, he doesn't give a rat's ass about what that trade chart says and i think that's smart the reason you stockpile extra picks like he has in 2023 and 2024 including multiple first round picks is in case you want to will and deal and he did and i saw people that didn't give them an a because they said they gave up too much but They didn't point out they now have first, second, third-round picks next year and nine overall. They leave that out, which I think is not good reporting. And I thought that Casario did a great job. Will Anderson Jr. was the highest-rated player on a lot of draft boards I saw, not just the highest-rated edge rusher or the highest-rated defensive player, but the highest-rated player. And C.J. Stroud was number two quarterback – And some people like Chris Sims, Lewis Riddick, and others went on and on about Stroud being the best quarterback prospect. And so they got the first or second best quarterback who was also in everybody's top five. And they got Will Anderson who was first or second to Bryce Young. And I thought they did a tremendous job filling the two biggest needs on the team. And then the only thing I thought was I was hoping they'd take quarterback one edge rusher 12 and with a 33rd pick take a wide receiver trade back into the second round to get a center well he did trade back into the second round to get a center and juice Scruggs, and then took another one jared patterson later both those guys can play guard and um and he doubled up on wide receivers and and, and tank Dell, and uh, xavier hutchinson who i watched be great in the Big Twelve, I watched him make so many big catches against Baylor. He had a great game against the Longhorns, even though he dropped a winning touchdown pass. And I think in the sixth round, that guy is going to be a steal. Uh, I I just I, I can't tell you how much I liked what cesario did, and and I I just I just. I I thought the way he moved, eight trades, 43 trades were made in the draft. That's an all-time record, and Casario made eight of them.
1: Nick was involved in 20% of them. (laughs) That's wild. That is wild. Um, John, do you have a favorite pick outside of the top two guys? I mean, it's obviously getting a quarterback is huge with CJ, and then um, it's hard not to like Will Anderson, you know, Maybe people quibble with what the price for Will Anderson, but I, you know, Will Anderson is uh, is is going to at, at, at a minimum is going to be a good football player in the NFL. Do you have a favorite pick of the other seven guys that they brought in?
2: He better be a great football player to be taken third overall, sure, and to be the, be the highest rated. And he's going to have a great opportunity because you got John Grenard last year in his contract. He's missed thirteen starts the last two years. Because of injuries, and then you have Jerry Hughes going to be 35 in August. He's in the last year of his contract, so you know they're they're looking for edge rushers, and they took two, starting with Will Anderson. I like the way they doubled up on their needs. I did a column in uh, at the combine on Tank Dell and Clayton Tune, both of them talking about how much they would like to play for the Texans, and Tank Dell was a hoot talking about it, and so. You know, it's his dream come true. And the guy's a great talker. He's an exciting player. Every time he touches the ball, people are going to stand up to see what he does. So I think, thank Dale or savior Hutchinson, one of those two receivers, are the ones that I think they got great value. Dell was supposed to go in the third round. He did. I think Hutchinson was supposed to go in the fifth. He went in the sixth. And, uh, I, do, I like both of them. Henry Totoa, too. Uh, he was supposed to go in the third, and they got him in the fifth. And I watched a lot of Alabama games because I wanted to see Bill O'Brien and Bryce Young. This past season, I thought the Texans had a chance to get Bryce Young, so I watched a lot. And, man, you heard him making a lot of tackles. Yeah. And he was a tackling machine. Now, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he and Christian Harris are not the starting linebackers because they'll usually only play two.
0: Yeah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: That'd be uh that would be fun for sure. John, the, the wide receiver room for this team is gonna have an extreme makeover uh this offseason. I mean, you get Good. you get I agree with you. I mean, you 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 move Brandon Cooks, which needed to happen. But Mechie, as you pointed out throughout this past year, having John Mechie is like having an extra second round pick in this particular rookie class. Um So Mechie is, assuming he's healthy, is going to make this team and be part of the rotation. Tank Dell is going to make this team and be part of the rotation. You just said Xavier Hutchinson, and you're not the only one who said it. A lot of people really like that Xavier Hutchinson pick in the sixth round. Nico Collins is still on this team. I mean, they usually take five, maybe six receivers, but usually five is kind of the target number. I'm trying to brainstorm and think who the other bodies are right now. Noah Brown they brought in. I feel like I'm missing Robert somebody.
2: Woods, Robert, Robert
1: Wood. Woods, yeah, of course. Robert Woods. They signed to, a, you know, not a not a mega deal, but a, a deal that would indicate that he's in line to be one of the starting wide receivers. Probably that is that your five, John? If you had to guess right now, if we were doing a and we were doing a way too early 53 53 man roster prediction, would that be the receiver room? The two rookies plus Mechie plus Nico and Robert Woods.
2: Uh, you let uh, I I think that uh we'll see jalen camp have another great camp and they'll put him on the practice squad okay or somebody gets hurt the thing about robert woods when you blow out your knee usually the first year back is not your best year because you're subconsciously uh still feeling the feeling it but then the second year back should be your best year now if they could get him the ball then that's great. Nico Collins—he's been hurt way too much. Yeah. You know, last year he flashed and made some big plays, and he he looked so good. And you think, man, if he could just stay on the field. But when you don't stay on the field your first two years, that's scary. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned John gunard last year of his contract. Players have this propensity to somehow stay healthy in the last year of their contract. So I'm going to guess. Grenard will and they'll get their best out of him. And if it's him and Jerry Hughes and rotating with Will Anderson Jr., they'll get uh, Hughes. I can't imagine he could do like he did last year, but I think Grenard will have his best season. I think Will Anderson is potentially an NFL defensive rookie of the year. He could get double digits on sacks and those wide receivers. I think they should try to get the ball to Tank Dell every chance they can. We it'd kind of be unfair to put high expectations on Mechie as a rookie, considering he had to same time he was getting treatment for leukemia, he had to re, he had to rehab from a torn ACL. So mm-hmm. he's he's I would guess that he'll be better over the second half than the first half and be better in 2024 than 2023. But to me, there's certainly – they don't have a Brandon Cooks who stands out as the lead guy uh, who's capable of doing what he was doing, but they have more talent and depth overall.
1: Yep. Um, all right, John, let's do a four-stock up, four-stock down. For we, And this can be Texans-related or just overall draft storyline-related. Um, but I think that's probably a, a good way for us to dig into maybe some of the nuggets that are still there. And we'll have a mailbag later this week. I think we might record that tomorrow. So if you're hearing this – uh, I would get right to your keyboard and put in HOU mailbag at gmail.com. HOU mailbag at gmail.com. And we'll be I'm sure that'll be an almost entirely draft-related mailbag as well. But get us your questions about the Texans draft or the NFL draft in general, and maybe looking ahead uh, to uh, to the season, rookie minicamp is gonna be coming up in less than two weeks uh, over at NRG Stadium, and we'll be out there to bring it all to you here on the Utopia football podcast and on sports radio six ten. Uh, So, John, I'll let you go first. As always, you have the honors. Let's do four stock up, four stock down, NFL draft and Texans draft related. What's your first stock up?
2: Um, When I saw the Lions use a high pick on Jameer Gibbs, I had him going in the first round, but down at the bottom at Buffalo. I, I thought, what are they doing? But then they traded their leading rusher, DeAndre Swift to Philadelphia because he's going in the last year of his contract and they didn't want to pay him so now all of a sudden Jameer Gibbs becomes a, a candidate along with B. John Robinson to be voted NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year the odds are being against a quarterback because rookie quarterbacks generally generally don't play well so I thought yeah, I thought the Lions had a great draft but starting with Gibbs, knowing what they knew that they, about what they were going to do. I thought they came out smelling like a rose, and it'll be fun watching Robinson and Gibbs battle for the NFL offensive rookie of the year honors.
0: John, I'm going to put
1: the over under at number of carries for Bijan Robinson at 250. You think he goes over or under 250 carries, not touches? I mean, I know he may catch the ball out of the backfield, purely carries, handoffs.
2: I think that that would be – they with Tyler Algier, a 1,000-yard rusher, I think that he'll touch the ball probably 15 – to I think Robinson will touch the ball 15 to 20 times a game as a runner and a receiver. Okay. They've, they're already talking about having Algier in the backfield and having Robinson in the backfield go in motion as a receiver or have him come out lining up in the slot are wide. Arthur Smith would be ingenious using those guys. So 250, uh, boy, I'm going to say the under, because I know they want to use him as a receiver a
1: lot. Yeah. Well, 15 touches. And I know by touches, you mean receptions and carries. Um, now
2: 15 to 20.
1: A yeah. Game. Well, I was just going to say, if he's healthy all year long, 15 is 265 touches. And that's well, on the then, low end for you, you know?
2: Yeah, no, but you were talking about carries.
1: I right? was talking about carries. Yeah. No, I'm just yeah. pointing out like if it's at the high end of 20, that's 340 touches. That's a lot for a rookie running back, you know?
2: And and he can handle it. And, mm-hmm. and if they if they do, do that with him, I think they will reap the benefits. They want to they want to run the ball and control the plot because they got an inexperienced quarterback. And I think they're they're gonna be old school, except they're gonna find a way to get the ball to Robinson, not just as a runner.
1: I'm going to go my first stock up, John, the Philadelphia Eagles for not overthinking the draft. You want defensive players. You shop at the store that has the best def- defense in football. You want nice things. You shop, you shop at the the Porsche store. You shop at the Dior store. Or you, you know, if you're going to, you're going to go on vacations. You go to the five-star places. You know, that's, that's what the Eagles did. They wanted good defensive players. And they've done it the last two years now go shopping where the best defense in college football is. They're not overthinking it. I like the move to get Jalen Carter for them at nine. They moved up a little bit to get him. Obviously, Ryan Poles, the GM of the Bears, was back in eBay mode, at that ninth pick, taking phone calls with Jalen Carter on the clock. I'm a little surprised that that Poles didn't just take Carter there at nine. That's what I thought was going to happen. When they made that trade with Carolina, I thought part of the calculus of that trade was that Maybe the Bears felt like Jalen Carter's stock took a big enough hit to where he would still be there at nine. Maybe they had him as the best player on the board, but we'll still take him at nine. Instead, they deal with the with the Eagles there. Um, but the Eagles taking Jalen Carter, getting Nolan Smith far lower than the experts thought he would go, getting Kaylee Ringo basically in a trade with the Texans. You know, they took they used that Texans pick for which they gave a third rounder next year to take Kaylee Ringo. They even traded for DeAndre Swift, John. They brought in some Georgia flavor on the offensive side of the ball, too, and they got him for a fourth-round pick in 2025, basically. So um, I thought Howie Roseman, as he usually does, uh, he and his staff killed the draft this year.
2: Well, I'd like to point out, last year, Trayvon Walker was a disappointment, and Jordan Davis didn't start, and he didn't set the world on fire when he did play. And those guys may end up in the Hall of Fame, But there's a reason a lot of teams bypass Jordan. I mean, uh, uh, Jalen Carter, uh, Jalen Carter, even though they had desperate needs in the defensive line, like Seattle, like Detroit could have had him. And uh, he's he uh, besides having his off the field issues and everybody says good. He's going with a team with veterans in the room like Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, but. He also was a guy who started one season, got incredible ability, but he didn't play hard all the time. So maybe it'll go down as a great pick. And he, he certainly got the ability, but everybody's everybody's giving the Eagles A pluses on their report card, and I'll probably give him an A, but I'm not giving him an A plus. You're not going to give him that
1: plus, huh?
2: I'm not going to give him that plus, and I might give him a B plus because Jalen Carter, if he was is is if If teams thought he's going to be as good as he's supposed to be, so many wouldn't have passed him up.
1: Yeah. I said that
2: about Randy Moss, too. (laughs)
1: All I At the time, I thought that – I I couldn't understand the – Randy Moss would have saved Lou Holtz's job if he had just stayed in the – remember, he had committed to Notre Dame originally, Randy Moss had. I think Lou Holtz would have coached another five years. Either that or Lou Holtz would have just retired (laughs) two weeks into the Randy Moss experience. And
2: And what would Lou have said about it?
1: It's Randy Moss. We don't have speed like this in South Bend. It's unbelievable. I got six white yeah, Catholic kids running right. around and Randy Moss out there on the outside. I could coach 10 more years. I got Randy Moss on the outside. Ron Paul is throwing. Ron Paulist going to win those two Heisman trophies. if we got Randy Moss on the outside. Oh, um, I love you. I love your little <laughs> Um So, uh, so did we just did, did oh, you, you, it's time for your second stock up, right, John?
2: My second stop up is stock up is the team that said bleak them pigs. And that team that said bleak them pigs had didn't have a first rounder, but had 14 draft choices. The Rams took 14 players. Now, nobody wants 14 rookies on their team. They may have a rookie or two make it from being undrafted free agents. And, But they certainly did a good job of stockpiling players that might make that team, and they are going to kind of be in a rebuilding mode. So I think for a team that seemed destitute, came out okay
1: uh yeah it's <laughs> i john i wish the rams hadn't won a super bowl i hate that the f them picks thing actually worked for them you know what i mean because they're so cavalier about it because to say f them picks ignores the fact that it's going to get miserable at some point you just can't do it i mean we learned it here o'brien said f them picks and see how that worked out here but if you win a super bowl it's almost like you get a a 10-year pass that's you exactly know? right yeah so it's got to work it's it's absolutely got to work john that division That division has a chance to get really bad really quickly here. I think Arizona is going to be terrible. I think the Rams are obviously downtrodden right now. The Niners don't know what they're doing at quarterback. It's a great roster, but their quarterback situation is not the best. Seattle, you know, honestly, like Seattle is the one that seems to be like (laughs) with Geno Smith at quarterback, and I thought they had a great draft. Seattle did. Um, They may be the one on the most solid ground right now.
2: Last year, they had one of the greatest drafts in history. Yeah. With starting with, it, I think, five starters, and they played well, including two in the offensive line. Yep. Tariq Will in that corner. But uh, they they took advantage of that high pick that they had gotten for Russell Wilson, and they don't think they're going to be picking that high anymore. But that that's kind of like Deshaun Watson, a gift that keeps on giving.
1: Oh, yeah. Yep. One more year of that.
0: Um,
1: my my stock up and our last stock up, and we'll do four stock down uh, in a moment. Um, mine is Baltimore, the Ravens. I mean, I thought they had a classically good Baltimore draft. They did some good things. I love the Zay Flowers pick. That felt like a Baltimore pick, John. You know what I mean? Like, he's a guy super productive for kind of a, you know, the, not a great offense at Boston College, but still produced despite that. Probably got had all kinds of offers in the transfer portal to go and do like Jordan Addison did and go play for a year for a, maybe a better football school overall. Um, I'm guessing that Zay Flowers had that opportunity and he stuck it out and stayed at BC because he wanted to see it through. He made a commitment and he stuck to it. Just feels like a Baltimore guy. The biggest thing for them, I thought, was being able to get the Lamar Jackson deal done right before the draft so they could go into the draft with a clear vision on what to do. We saw so many mock drafts leading up to the actual draft where some of the experts had Baltimore having to accommodate what might be a vacancy at quarterback, you know, like I saw some mock drafts they're moving up to go get Anthony Richardson or Will Levis falls to them at 22, you know, stuff like that, that Baltimore could go into the draft knowing Lamar Jackson is our quarterback. He's locked up for a long time. It's not on a franchise tag for one year. He's locked up on a five-year deal. Um, the ability to go into the draft with clarity and then operate the way Baltimore normally does, which I think is to find great values at various spots in the draft. I think Baltimore is a big thumbs up for me.
2: And Lamar Jackson will be 29 years old when they're probably going to extend him again because you, you don't let the quarterback's contracts expire. So he will have just turned 29, And when he has a chance, don't tell him where the contracts are going to be. If he's playing well, he's going to reap on, you know, he may end up, he may end up with 500, $700 million in his career.
1: Yep. Crazy. Crazy. Well, hopefully he makes up some of that money. He lost for a couple of years, still playing on his rookie deal, but 185 million guaranteed. I would say, yeah, Definitely. Stock up for Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. All right, John, let's do some four stocks downs, real quick here. We'll rapid fire these stock down for you. J e t s Jets
2: Jets Jets. Jets. Mm. They everybody thought they were going to tra- take an offensive lineman. They needed a tackle, and they ended up the guys they wanted were gone, and uh, so they took Will McDonald the fourth, who was. Some people had him as a low one, most in the high twos, and they took him and then he's undersized and then tried to sell him that uh, they need to get after the other quarterbacks in the AFC, which sounded great. So not only did they reach, they didn't fill their biggest priority for their new quarterback.
1: Uh, yeah, that's a good one. I, I thought about that as they're making their picks. I'm like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is in familiar territory. He's with a team that's not drafting stuff that he needs. <laughs> and the Packers <laughs> kept doing it too. They drafted Lucas Van Ness with their first pick. So, uh, so much for Jordan Love getting some help, uh, in, uh, in Green Bay as well. Um, John, I'm going to go stock out on Will Levis. He, his plummet into day two was one of the big stories of the draft. I would have liked to have seen him actually be at the draft when he got picked and just see the whole thing through. He didn't. I guess he had plans. Um, but Will Levis and I don't know, John, that he's landing in a great situation either, just in terms of where Tennessee is in their their arc, if you will. You know, I unless you're Kansas City and you're just good every year, it feels like most NFL teams. Uh, are you know they've they've got a they've got a period where they're able to climb and build because they got guys on rookie contracts, and the the books are clean and they got a lot of draft capital. Then they've got a window of about three years where they can stay in a conversation about competing. And then for most teams, there's a down period where you slide back down the hill. Um Tennessee is clearly sliding back down the hill right now, and I would say of all the rookie quarterbacks, the big the four rookie quarterbacks that we think could start at some point this year. Hendon Hooker, maybe he's the fifth one, but let's just keep it focused on the four, especially because three of them are in the AFC South. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, uh, Will Levis. I think Levis landed in the worst situation out of the four of them. Uh, I I just think that's – the Tennessee feels like a team that is going to be really doing a lot of retooling and rebuilding. We don't know what their GM is at this point. Rand Carthen, we we don't know if he's a guy who can steer a ship through a rebuild like this, so I – like that's a question that 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 uh we were digging into <clears throat> we were digging into on the draft show this weekend me and John Harris um you know which of these quarterbacks got drafted into the best situation uh I Will Levis is clearly the one who got drafted to me into the worst situation of the four i think the other three panthers texans yeah colts maybe have leveled off a little bit but i trust you know, Anthony Richardson in that system. And I I think they've got a good roster, but much better roster than the Titans right now, if everybody's healthy. So, um, Will Levis is a stock down for me, stock down as a player and he's a stock down because of the situation that he's in.
2: Those are all great points. And it's, if, uh, if Ryan Tannehill, it's his last year, but if he, if he gets hurt, I'm guessing they're going to go with Levis over, uh, um,
1: Malik Willis.
2: Malik Willis, who was such a disappointment last year, but that's their fault for drafting him, and he had to play way before they wanted to. And uh, and I think Anthony Richardson's really going to struggle when they play him because he's only played 13 games in college.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, Stroud and Young ought to be the best because they were the first two picked, but they're in better situations because it's not going to take a lot for Stroud To help the Texans be better, because all they got to do is win more than three games.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, John, it's funny too. Like you mentioned, Stroud and Young—they play each other this year. You know, the Texans play the Panthers in Carolina. Seth and I went through the schedule. Like now that the Texans have a quarterback, like the schedule all of a sudden sizzles. You know what I mean? Like you're going to get. We went through it. Like there's, it's hard to find a home game where there's not a lot of in without intrigue now because you got all those division games are going to have intrigue because you got C.J. Stroud. Um, Deshaun Watson is coming to town. There's intrigue with that. Um, I'm just going through this in my head. You know, you got Arizona coming to town. You know, a downtrodden DeAndre Hopkins, who they're not trading now, is coming with them. Um, Denver, you know, Sean Payton. The Texans were in on Sean Payton, at least for a little bit well, a little bit there, and until Sean Payton got mad that they were Zooming him instead of doing him the service of meeting him in person and things like that. Um, but the home schedule... Pops now, you know and the schedule's going to come out May 11th. We're going to know the when of all these games um, shortly, and then you know in the road games, you're you're going up to New York to play Aaron Rodgers. You're going to Carolina to play um, Bryce Young. Uh, CJ Stroud gets to go back to Ohio to face Joe Burrow, another former Ohio State quarterback. You know you you got you're going to go to Baltimore uh, and go against Lamar Jackson. Like I I don't know what the record's going to be. But this is a – with a quarterback now in tow for the Texans, a rookie quarterback, the 2023 season just got so much more fun.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It happens when you draft a franchise quarterback high like that.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. So, my stock down was Will Levis. John, what's your second stock down?
2: Uh, the Dolphins. The Dolphins. They had mm-hmm. four picks overall. their first one cornerback Cam Smith from South Carolina, they didn't pick till 51. even the Browns who didn't have picks in the first two rounds had two threes, two fours, and had a better dr- draft than Miami. Uh, Devon A chain running back from A I liked him going in the third round, but yeah, it's so preposterous. It's not so much the the trade for uh Kyrie Hill, you know, they make that deal. And it cost him, I think, three picks. Mm-hmm. But having a tampering charge taking away a number one pick was Oof. such a waste because they tampered with Brady and they tampered with Peyton was out of football, so it didn't matter. But tampering for Tom Brady to come there uh and when Tua has played great, except when he was healthy, except when he wasn't healthy, which they didn't realize at the time, and they did everything they could to get Deshaun Watson, and it was just – it didn't have to be. Yeah. And I felt bad for the team and the players and the coaches because they didn't have anything to do with it. Yep. It was the owner, Stephen Ross, who tampered and had to sacrifice the first-round pick.
1: All right, that's a good one. All right, John, last stock down. I would say I'm going to give a big stock down to the prognosticators, and I think a lot of the reason why they were off base on their top of the draft Prognostications um, was because of Nick Casario and the Texans. There was the the odds makers were really the odds makers were all over the map this year uh, on the the various odds. I mean, Will Levis was rising up the board to be the number one overall pick according to odds makers two days before the draft. The guy didn't go to thirty three in the draft. Um, I'm gonna read a few things to you, like the I, I'm looking at the odds the morning of the draft for picks one through five. Now, Bryce Young was the heavy favorite to be number one overall. They got that one right. We all knew that was coming. The favorite to be the number two pick overall was a guy that I actually put into my mock drafts. Tyree Wilson was the favorite. C.J. Stroud, you could have gotten C.J. Stroud at five and a half to one the morning of the draft to be the second overall pick behind Tyree Wilson, Will Levis, and Will Anderson. How crazy is that? He was behind Will Levis, who went 33 overall. I picked Tyree Wilson as well. Yep. Uh, Third overall pick, the co-favorites to go third overall the morning of the draft were Paris Johnson and Tyree Wilson. Paris Johnson does end up going to the Cardinals, but it was after some maneuvering around. Will Anderson Jr. was third on the board at plus 350. Fourth overall pick, the favorite to be picked fourth, John, was Will Levis at plus 110, basically even money, a coin flip that it was going to be – Will Levis, C.J. Stroud second, Anthony Richardson third. It ended up being Richardson. And then the fifth pick is the one that's bananas, John. The odds board the morning of the draft on the fifth pick. The favorite was Jalen Carter, minus 110. So, again, basically a coin flip for Jalen Carter who wound up going ninth. Anthony Richardson was second. Will Anderson Jr. was third. C.J. Stroud was fourth. Tyree Wilson tied with him at plus 750. And then there's a huge drop-off down to the guy who eventually was the pick. You could have gotten Devon Witherspoon at 18-1 to the morning of the draft to be the (laughs) fifth overall pick. How about that? Wow.
2: Well, I'll tell you what. They got two right on Bryce Young and Will Anderson going third. Wrong team, of course. But uh, that, that one about Devon Witherspoon, who's got great speed and he's tough, but he's way undersized. You don't see guys that small ordinarily going that high. But, man, Seattle has done such a great job of drafting. You can't argue
1: with it. Well, them. especially in the secondary. I mean, they, they you know, Woolen last year, but it goes back. You know, they've done such a really, really good job of finding corners and especially safeties, too. Um, yeah, it's, it's like Pittsburgh with wide receivers. If you're a pass catcher that gets drafted by Pittsburgh, go ahead and you can start counting your money in your second contract <laughs> now. It might not be from the Steelers. Because they'll just let you walk, and they'll they'll draft somebody else and bring them in. <clears throat> but the Steelers do a really good job of finding receivers. Um, all right, John H O U mailbag at gmail.com. We got a mailbag that we're going to record I think tomorrow. And what do you got going on on all your various platforms?
2: I'll have my uh, grades uh, on uh, gallerysports dot I have a column about the relationship between D'Amico Ryan's and Nick Casario and how. It worked during the draft on SportsRadio610.com.
1: Good stuff. All right, John. Uh, So you ready for a mailbag tomorrow, my friend? I'll be ready. All right, sounds good. Uh, Big thanks to Figgy Fig for getting the podcast out to all you guys. We certainly appreciate him and all the effort he goes to to make sure you get that podcast on time and in your inbox. If it doesn't just show up on your phone or your computer, your iPad or whatever, it's because you haven't clicked the subscribe button yet. Do that, and you'll just get it automatically sent to you. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing, this technology that we call the, the podcast universe. Um, so do that. Give us a review while you're there. We appreciate that as well. All right. For John McClain, I am Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We have a mailbag episode tomorrow, Mailbag at gmail.com. We will see you all then. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Utopia Football Podcast.